that. Yeah. It's easier to grip, Mark, when it's deflated. That's enough. Well, that's almost a full house. If, if all these other guys that are standing in the back would sit down, they'd be full. Is anybody in the overflow room? Okay. Well, I, I pray that someday we have to use that overflow room more than just on, cell, on, on uh, Resurrection Day. Okay? Okay? I was thinking this how I think. <laughs> I was thinking this how. That didn't come out right, did it? That sounded like a redneck thing. I was thinking this how I think. Uh, boy. I was thinking of of God and in in His Majesty and in God's timing and all. If if what if just what if today was the day He chose to rapture the church? And it happened. And it happened. Where's that football? I'm the football back. And it happened as Russell Wilson was dropping back the pass, and all these guys are about to tackle him. They're about to sack him in the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, all there is is a ball. You see, he's a believer. He knows Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and he's not ashamed to say it. And I was thinking, what if that happened? If God just said, y'all think this game is so big, let me take out the star. Let me take all my people home. See what you think about it then. I don't know how many people in the stands would go. I would hope most people would go, but I don't know. Uh, I heard that at the last count, if you really wanted to get into the, la- the last seats available through a scalper, if you had a little, an extra eight grand, you could go see the Super Bowl. You could go sit in the stadium. Yeah. So what, I've, what we've chosen to do, I, I'm actually sitting in the skybox downstairs. I'm sitting on one of the higher chairs in the coffee shop. That's the skybox. So we're going to have to reserve one for pastor that's... Uh, but we're having a Super Bowl party today. So if you show up here at 4 o'clock, 4.30, you know, bring your pickup and your BYOBs. Bring your own Bible. And we're going to have a party. We're, but see, we do things with purpose here at Freedom Fellowship. We're not just coming to watch a game. We're coming to fellowship. And at halftime, uh, whether you like Katy Perry or not, we're not going to show Katy Perry at halftime. So if that was a concern of some of the parents, we're not going to show Katy Perry at halftime. I'm not judging her. I'm just saying what we are going to do is show something. It's, it's, a, it's a video. It's made. It's a, it's a Christian video made. It's a very high quality about four or five of the Seattle players and coaches that, that love Jesus giving their testimony. And at the end, they're gonna, one, of the, one of the players actually says, this is how I got to know Jesus Christ. Would you like to know him? And it's almost exactly minute for minute the, the, the time period of the halftime show that they normally do. I think that's with purpose. So if you've got friends that love football, but they don't love Jesus, bring them. And this could be the day. What, you know, I was thinking that would be a great day to get to know Jesus. Oh, boy. Is that the Grimes kid back there doing that? Okay, enough of that. But come, enjoy and have fellowship, bring some food, and we're going to watch the game together in halftime. We'll do some, hopefully we'll get to do some ministry with people that see this awesome video. Oh, we have like seven screens that are going to be showing the Super Bowl. 
And they're like the one in the coffee shop is like 70 inches, and it is good, clear picture. Okay? So we're going to have some fun. All right? How many of you think you'll be here tonight for the game? Oh, boy. That's going to be great. The youth room, two screens in there, the foyer, the coffee shop, and where else? In the kids' room. Yeah. And the kids are going to have a pregame movie, right? I'm telling you, this is going to be fun. But it's also a tool to lead people to Christ because the big game is taking place right here, right now. This is where God really wants us to get engaged, okay? All right, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I believe today is going to be, I say this a lot when I preach because I believe it, okay? It's not, I'm not trying to be arrogant or all any of that because believe me, uh, God can use me. He can use anybody, and he can. But God woke me up at 2.30 on Friday morning. I was, I was going through this sermon. I kind of had my notes laid out, and I had been sick this week. I was running a temp and, and all these things, and I just, it really wasn't come together in my mind. And I was just asking the Lord before, before I went to bed that night, I said, Lord, I need you to show me how I'm going to simplify this because this is family Sunday. There's going to be a lot of kids in there. And I really want to make a show and teach something that they can grab hold of that will change their families, change their families for good. And so 2.30, Friday morning, God wakes me up, and he says, here it is. You've asked for it. You got it. I said, but I didn't ask for it at 2.30, Lord. <laughs> but I got up, and I was up for two hours. Say, aw. You know. Thank you. I was up for two hours, and God was pouring some things into me to show you. So I think that's important. And then at 4 o'clock yesterday, this morning, he woke me up again. And again, it was some things he wanted to show me about what I'm presenting today. But this is what I believe. So this is how important I think this is. And I know some of the kids may be, not be listening yet because it's not your turn. But when I get to children, obey your parents. <laughs> They're going to punch me. They're going to nudge you. Parents are going to nudge you. But what I want you to, what I, what's going to take place today, if you will accept the challenge that I'm going to give you at the end of the service, I believe in 28 days, your family will be revolutionized for Christ. That's how much I believe that God wants us to take this challenge, accept it, and walk with it and do it. Okay? So that's going to be at the end of the service. And we're not going to hold people accountable. You're going to hold yourselves accountable and your families accountable. Okay? So when I'm looking at Ephesians 5, and I'm talking, I was going to preach on um, husbands and wives and children today, which I still am. I like, to, I like to put Scripture in context. I don't like just to pick something out. So, and here's what it says, and you go, but the therefores, and what, what about all that, Pastor? Well, that's what I like to tell you what, what these things are. Why, why does God situate certain passages that seem not like they're disconnect from the other passages, and then he comes back with another passage, and you wonder, why did he put it there? When God said, this is why I put it there, Harold. So I want you to look at Ephesians 5, and I want you to first look at verse 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time or getting the time back, uh, because the days are what? Say that again. The days are what? Okay, this was 2,000 years ago. Are the days still evil? Okay, yeah, y'all say, yes, that was even louder than the other one. The days are evil. He said, I want you to redeem the time. He said, I want you to walk in a certain way. I want you to not be foolish, but be wise. I want you to, to, to value the time that you're given. And sometimes in our families, we don't value the time like we should. I'm telling you, if you've come close to death, you'll value your time more than when you didn't come close to, get, to death. 
Okay, I, I'm a living testimony of that. I value my time more now than I ever did before. Now flip over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. I've got, I've got a reason to do this, so just follow with me. I didn't give this, uh, and this is what God showed me. Therefore, take up the whole armor. How much of the armor? The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the what? The evil day. To be, to be able to stand in the evil day and having done all, do what? To stand. Okay, so I'm thinking, well, God, you started out here about evil and you've ended over here with evil in the midst of spiritual warfare. But in, the, in between there, you've got wives and husbands and children and employees. Why did you situate it there? Here's why. Here's the reason. The American family is in crisis. Hmm? Don't say amen to that. Just say, yep, you're right. Because if you say amen to that, you're saying, so be it. We don't want to say, so be it, to the, the families of America being in crisis. Okay? Somebody had to point that out to me because I used to make a point, and it wasn't a point that was supposed to be amen, but everybody go, Amen. <laughs> Well, they're getting a divorce. Amen. No, you don't want to do that. You, you want to say, well, oh, okay. I understand. The American family has been disintegrated, is disintegrating. It's been divided. It's been chopped up. It's been sliced, and it's been diced. And it no longer looks like the family that God created us to be. I believe God wants us to get back to being real family. Not just as a church family, but I'm talking about individual families because the church is made up of individual families. How, much, how many of you represent a family? How many of you weren't born? Okay. Everybody represents a family. I love the looks on some people's face. Honey, I don't know. I'm not in a family. Yet. We all represent a family. I don't care if you're here by yourself. If you're a single, single, single You have no kids. You're not even a single parent. You're just single. You're a family. And it's important that we understand how God has designed the family to move and work and to be successful because God desires that families be successful. God desires that families walk in unity. God desires that there be order in our families. Would you say amen to that? Okay. So there are, some, there are three keys that I want to show you, and then there are going to be four other things that I want to show you. The first thing is I want, to just, I want you to see that it all starts with love. Now, we're going to get back to love in a minute, but I want to start with love because you really just can't do any of, this other, any of these other keys, any of these other principles unless you start with love. Say love. Now, this, let me show you what this love is. Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators, imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Say love. Okay, this... I want you to understand this is called the agape love. I want to explain. He even describes what agape love is or agape. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Love and sacrifice. The agape love, the the kind of love that caused God to send God the Father to send his son Jesus to die for us. The selfless love, the giving kind of love. This is the kind of love we're talking about. The world does not know that kind of love. Did you know that? The world can't know that kind of love unless they come to Christ. 
Look at 1 John 4, 8. For he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is L-O-V-E, love. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So the world's kind of love is everything but agape. The world's kind of love is selfish love. It's erotic love, eros, or phila, phila love, uh, which Philadelphia, the word comes from that, or brotherly love. You can have brotherly love. You can have that erotic kind of love. You can have every, but the love that God is talking about is a selfless love. It's the kind of love we're going to talk about that happens in marriage. After the erotic love that drew you together, possibly, transforms once you become one in Christ to the kind of agape love that he desires every marriage to go forward and every family to live in. Okay? So we're going to leave love for just a bit and go to number one. This I want you to keep notes. Take notes. This is not for life groups. This is for your family life. Number one of the three keys is submit. Submit. Say submit. All right, say the other word, submission. How many of you have heard that word in a negative way, submission? How many have heard that, that husbands can use that in a negative way over their wives? Okay. See, I hope you all understand where I'm going to go from here because when you've heard it in a negative way and you've heard it as a domineering thing that the husband can use over his wife because it says it in the Bible, then you've heard it's been perverted. It's been perverted. And, and I'm, I could joke about this all day. It's not, it's not funny because that's where domestic abuse comes in. And they do it in the name of God. Right? I mean, that, that's one of the things the NFL is that they're really promoting this. Get, get involved. Let's stop domestic abuse. Listen, it's not going to stop until Jesus comes into the family. I'm just, I'm sorry. You can have every kind of plan and every kind of program you want, and they're all good, and I'm not against them. But when Jesus comes in and the agape love, the, the agape of Christ comes into a marriage, that should cease. Should cease. Look at Ephesians 5. We're going to go back and read that verse 16 through, and then we'll keep reading. And I'm going to walk through this. I'm not trying to dissect these scriptures, okay? Don't. So if you always hear to say that about that, or that, I can't, you can't preach at all. So I've got a point that God showed me to give you, so that's what we're going to do. Y'all ready? See then that you walk circumspectly, another upright, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay? Do not be drunk with wine. That's not grape juice. It's wine. Let's call it what it is. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I never hear, you never hear me preach much about drinking. I, I know people love to get onto that subject. The Bible doesn't teach not to drink. It says do not get drunk. Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that with wine. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit of God, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That sounds pretty good, huh? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, see, most Bibles have a little... Break there. How many of you got a Bible that's got a break there between 21 and 22? Raise your hands. Because it usually has a break there because they're associating with all that other together, and then they're going to go into wives and husbands, and they're going to do about the submission thing. 
But he says, listen, when the Bible was written, there were no breaks and no headings. There were no commas. There were no exclamation points. Did you know that? Man comes and puts their own headings and divides it the way they want to. But here's the way this should read, and it reads in some older translations. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, let's talk about submission in the way it really is supposed to be taught, I believe. Submission, the word sub and mission, two words, put them together. Sub comes, is what, it, what does sub mean? Like a submarine that does what? Goes under. Subway goes where? Under. Subway sandwich? No. <laughs> sub, go under. Had you at sub, didn't I? You're thinking, oh, sub come on, to come under the mission. Say mission. To come under the mission. Say to come under the mission. That's the simple definition of submission. The problem is most of us, and even in our families, when the husband's the dominating uh, he, and he's, he's the fist pounding and, and he is the, he is the one that he's the king of the castle and boy, don't buck him and don't say anything. And, he, and he's, the, he's the mean old man in the family and all that. He has taken that submission that his, his mission is wrong. His mission, see, our mission, when we talk about submission, is a mutual submission, but the submission, first and foremost, comes under God. We submit to God, the Father. So we come under the mission of God. All these other things that we're going to talk about, they have to come under in in the light of the mission of God. If he is not your, if he's not your, your first in your family, then all these other things you think you're doing, you, you're going to line up scripture to prove you that, that you're right. Well, you're not right because you've missed the very first key to come under the submission, come under the mission of Christ. Listen, it says, for the love of God, back in 1 John 5, 3, the, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. That's going to apply to parenting in a minute. Not burdensome. God's called us to submit. There's another way we can describe submission, and I want to make this very clear with you. Because God is a God of order. Say order. Yeah, see, some people think, man, we're a charismatic church. We're just filled with the Spirit. And I'm just going to do whatever. The, it doesn't matter what the Holy, when the Holy Spirit says to do something. I'm just going to do it. I don't care if it lines up with the Word or not. That's what some people do. They start, they start taking liberty with something that's not in the Bible. They do. They think, oh, we're just free. We're just free. Listen, if, if you're doing something that's contrary to the word of God and you're giving credit to the Holy Spirit for it, it's a lie. It's a lie. God wants us. How many of you are in the military? Raise your hands. Military people here? Anybody start out as a lieutenant? First, right out of the box, out of the box. Raise your hands. Henry went to boot camp and they gave you the stripes that made you a lieutenant. Anybody? No? You did? You became a lieutenant before anything? Second time. I'm talking about the first time. Boot camp. Just stop. What are you at boot camp, Joe? Nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, but wait, 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 but Joe, what, what if your dad was a, a four-star general and, and man, he, this guy is way up there and you enlist. What are you then in boot camp? Less than nothing. <laughs> he said, if you mention that, you'll be less than nothing. 
You might be in boot camp, and your dad might be a four-star general, and you may know much more than the sergeant. But guess who you've got to submit to? The sergeant or whoever is in command over you. I went in the military, so I had to read all this and look it up. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is, you, you, wives, you might, be the, you might be the sharpest pencil in the box in your family. You, mean you might be, wow. You might know everything about everything. But that doesn't make you authority over your husband. There was a collective gasp. (gasps) God wants order in the home. He's established order. We're going to read about that a little bit more. Keep Keep it open to Ephesians 5, and let's continue to read on verse 23. For the husband is the what? Head of the wife. The husband is the head of the wife. As You see, if we just left it there, guys would just be pretty happy. Wouldn't they? Baby, don't bother me. I'm watching the game. If you're going to do anything, bring me a Coke. Bring me some chips. Don't get in front of the TV while you do it. And, you, and want them to like it. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ, uh oh, it gets a little stickier, is also Christ is head of the church. Oh, and then and is, he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Let me qualify everything. Sometimes we say everything means everything. You always have to think, you read things in context, and in the, and in the context of the scripture, uh, of the paragraph, of the, of the chapter, of the book, and of the Bible, ultimately. And I, wanna under, I want you wives to understand this because there's some, bad, there's some teaching out there. This is, well, if you're in an abusive relationship and he claims to be a Christian, that you've got to stay there and you've got to take it. That is not true. That is not true. You don't have to come under the mission of him because he is not under the mission of Christ. If there's adultery taking place, and you, you, don't, have, you don't have to stand for that. You know, so many times people, oh, I, I'm just going to be a good little godly wife, and I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants to do. Listen, that is not truth. That, that, that is so, that's such error. That's this perverted thinking. God gets no glory out of that, church. And God's all about getting glory in marriages. He wants our marriage to glorify God. Verse 22. For wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. I've already read that. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought God gave me this at, at 4 o'clock this morning. I was trying to remember it for the first service, and I'm not sure I remembered it correctly. But when, when he was trying to show me about order, I, I, love, I love shows about law, okay? And I didn't share this right in the first service. God... I love, I love shows or movies or about courtroom scenes. Anybody like those? You got the, the prosecutor and you got the defense attorney and you got the crazy judge, you know? And the crazy judge is trying to deal with the crazy defense attorney and all the, and all the other people that are thrown into the mix. And I was begin, God was trying to show me something there. And I was like, well, what are you trying to show me, Lord, about order? And he said, well, it doesn't matter if the, if the judge is goofy or not. He's still the judge. And when he... When, when somebody gets out of order in the court, you know what he does? He uses his gavel and he goes, bam, 
He says, order in the court. He wants order. God says, God, God told me, he said, he wants order in our families. And it starts with a godly husband or a godly head of the home, whether it's if it's a single mom or a single dad. He wants order in our home so our kids have a chance. The cool thing about the other thing he showed me that I didn't share in the first service was this. Our judge. Our judge is God. And he doesn't throw the book at us. He judges by grace. I believe some of us, because of the way we've been raised, listen, I'm not, I'm not, here, I'm not throwing stones, but we've all had our own. Most of us are a product of the, how we were raised. It's learned behavior. Most of it didn't get the book about Parenting 101. Some of you had kids before you were even married, and you're like, what, a kid? I don't even know what it, you know what I'm talking about? The life is thrown at us, and all we, can, all we have to draw on is the way we were raised, good, bad, or ugly. We, and here's, here's what I think. This is what God wanted me to show people. Sometimes, especially as dads, and could be moms, we have set the bar so high for our kids that they can't attain it. We set it so high for them, there is no grace that comes into the family when the kids don't attain. You, you can judge you can set down the. I believe that there should be rules in the household, and I believe that's kind of like the laws of God. I believe that there should be rules. How many of you set rules in your home? Be in by a certain time, uh, get your homework done, or you can't watch TV. You know what I'm talking about, those kind of rules, clean your room or you're not going out, mow the yard, all those rules. It's okay. It's great to have rules, but it's also have to, it's greater to have grace. It's greater to have grace. So that's just a side note. Moms and dads, when you're raising your kids, to remember grace. Number two is love. Ephesians 5, 25 through 33 says, Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Husband, look at your wife right now and say, Man, I love you. Just tell them. Come on. Husband, this is okay. Honey, I love you. Husbands, tell your wife that you love them. Unless you don't love them. Then you got to love them anyway. Says, love your enemies. It's a commandment. It's a commandment. Bless those who persecute you. Oh boy, I'll hear. I want to hear about that one later. Agape. Your wife. Not grab her. Agape. If our family, if husbands wanted the best and did the best that they could for their wives, and if wives wanted and did the best for their husbands all the time, if you had a mutual give, give. You know, the marriage isn't fifty fifty; it's a hundred a hundred. If you if you're going into marriage and you want, if you're going into marriage to get, you're going into marriage with the wrong attitude. If you're going into marriage to give, to give love, to give respect, to give honor, to give help, to give hope. And, and the, the, the spouse that you come together with is, has the same, same determination in their heart. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a happy marriage. What happens is 
we have too many people that, they, that they've had their own way so long, and they get married, they have a hard time not getting their own way anymore. God wants us to have a heart, the agape kind of love, which says, it's not about me, it's about you, babe. I don't know if you've heard it, if you ever heard the term, if mommy ain't happy, nobody's happy. What if it was like, hey, mama's happy, everybody's happy, daddy's happy, everybody's happy. Because mom and dad love each other. And you know what? Mom and dad are happy. Normally the kids are pretty happy too. Just the way it works. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That's one of the most beautiful passages. Guys, you can get all buffed up that you want. You can look like me. I still love you, baby. I know you laughed at me. You can get all buffed up you want. You can learn 10 languages. You can bring home the bacon or the beef or whatever y'all like to eat or the veggies. You can, you can buy your wife a brand new car and a big house. And you can fill her checkbook. You know, and just fill, give her all kinds of money. But you're not going to be washing her by doing those things. You may be placating her. You may be satisfying her for a little while. But there is nothing better that a wife would like, I believe, than a husband that loves Jesus, loves the word, and speaks the word over her. Women, if you would agree with that statement, would you just stand up? Would you agree with that? And that's something you'd like to have, to be washed with the water of the word by your husband or your significant other, your spouse or your whoever. That's all the women look around. You, you may be seated. So you get off that eating plan, quit lifting weights, just get the Bible out. You know why he does that, why Jesus does that for the church and why he wants us to do that for, for our wives? That way he might present her, Jesus might present the church, us, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. That's how husbands ought to love their own wives, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Listen, if you don't love yourself, you're not going to love anybody else. We deal with forgiveness issues all the time with people. The last person people usually want to forgive is themselves. There's so much self-hatred, even in the church. That's why we deal with suicide or or thoughts of suicide in people because they don't like themselves. The enemies beat them up and beat them up and beat them up. And God says, I created you. I created you the way you are. I knit you together in in your mother's womb. I don't make junk. So you have no right not to love yourself because you're loving God when you love yourself. Now, there's a difference between loving yourself and idolatry and putting yourself up above God. Some people do that. They think more of themselves than they think of God. That's idolatry. That's sin. But he wants us to love ourselves and have a good, wholesome attitude about ourselves. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
The third thing I want to say, I'm going to skip on down is to the third thing, the, the principle for our healthy marriage is obedience. Obey. Say obey. Children. All right. This is the part where you get your children to wake up and put their coloring book down. Say, listen to the pastor. Ephesians 6, 1. Kids, Kellen, you listening? Come on, Kellen, wake up. Here we go. I called out kids in the first service. I can do it in the second one. Okay, y'all ready? Kids, this is from the Bible. It's true. And it will uncomplicate your life if you, if, as children, you will do this. How many of you started out as children? Just like the first service. Some of you were born like five foot five and 200 pounds. And how did your mother do that? That's amazing. How many of you started out as children? Just the way I came. This is it. Yeah, it was tough. My mother had a tough time, isn't it? But we, we, we made it. Yeah, I could, I could talk when I came out of the womb. Yeah, it was great. Children. Say children. children. Obey, Obey your parents in the Lord. And here's the more complicated part of that verse. For this is right. Not left. This is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. See, your parents, ideally, your, the husband has come under the mission of God. The wife has come under the mission of the husband. And the children come under the mission of the parents because the parents are serving God. And so when, when the parents tell you to do something, don't look at them like they got two heads. Don't look at them like they don't know what they're doing because they were children one time. If I would have known this when I was a kid, I would have been such a better kid if I would have just known I was supposed to do right. Well, actually, I didn't know that. And you did, too. But the Scripture says this. This is the first commandment with a promise. Listen. Honor your father and mother, or respect them, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Obey your parents. It's just a simple way out. There comes a day when you're going to grow up. And pretty sure that most of you will become parents. You'll go, I want to get that archived message. <laughs> the par- when Pastor Harold spoke on children obeying their parents. And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That's what we're going to get to in a minute. The training and the admonition of the Lord. Now. I got to move on really quick. The next thing is after all of that, after he's talked to husbands and wives and children and, and employees, he says this in his Ephesians six ten. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of the God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's tricky. And put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole, say the whole armor. Now I want you to write down four things before we close. Four things. This is the other thing God showed me at 2.30 to 4.30 Friday morning. Four things. Revolutionize your family. You ready? And it all has to do with the armor. The belt of truth, the shoes of peace, and the sword of the Spirit are all the same thing. They are the what? The Bible. The Word of God. Say the Word of God. Okay. He says that you need to put that on. He says that on the heels of talking to husbands and wives and children. Put on the word. Number two, he says, know your identity. Write down identity. 
The helmet of salvation is your identity. The breastplate of righteousness is your identity. Now get that? You got to know you're saved. That's, you, you identify with Christ when you come into the kingdom of God, when you give your life to Christ. So your identity is in Christ. It's not in you anymore. It's not in your past anymore. It's in Christ. And the breastplate of righteousness is so cool because God says your righteousness is as filthy rags, but my righteousness gives you right standing with the Father. The blood of Jesus brings us into right standing even when we didn't deserve it. I love it. But you got to know your identity. You're, you hear this from us all the time. The third thing, say third thing. Our faith, it shields us and protects us from every fiery dart from whom? The enemy. When he's zinging those darts at families, at dads and financial problems and, and arguments and all these things that are going on in the family, when he's slinging those arrows, dads, as a spiritual leader in your family, you've got to have that shield of faith up. Moms, you've got to have the shield of faith up. Kids, you've got to have your shield of faith up. You've got to be armored up because the world wants to destroy the family. And the fourth thing, say fourth thing. The fourth thing is so important, guys. You've got to wrap all these things up in prayer. Prayer is part of the armor of God. Sometimes they don't mention it, but it's the last thing. I'm always thinking the last thing is probably the most important thing. You got all this other equipment on. He said, man, that's great. You got all the equipment on, but now put on prayer. Start talking to me, listening, watching. Prayer is more than you saying, God, I want this and this and this, and please do this, this, and this. It's listening, and it's watching. Dads, moms, heads of homes, you've got to be watching on the wall for your families because there is an enemy. He's out there, and he's seeking whom he may destroy. Don't let him. Protect your sheep. Protect your sheep. Having said all that, I want all the ministry team to come to the front. We're going to close. With a challenge. While they're making their way. I hope I have enough pieces of paper up here. Huh? Yeah. Well, it's one per family. I'm going to make a challenge to you this morning. I pray, if you hear my voice, you're going to accept this challenge. It's the 28-day challenge of February. Why do you think I picked 28 days? Because there's 28 days in February. There's no leap year. No leap year this year. No leap day. I also looked up 28 days because I heard of the, the, the programs for substance abuse and things. They're usually called 28-day programs. So I wonder why they call them that. Well, for one, the insurance covers 28 days. But the more important one is they believe that, it, that through studies that it takes a minimum of 28 days from you detoxing and being away from whatever it is that you've been hooked on. It takes a minimum of 28 days for you to be free, to begin to think clearly. So I'm thinking, okay, 28 days, this is cool for this challenge. But you know what the, what the, the studies that went on to say, even more powerful than that? If you can stay longer, the chances of you recovering are better. The longer you stay in rehab, the better your chances are of recovering. It doesn't work for everybody, I know that. But that's just what studies show. So here's the challenge this morning. I've, I've, I've got... Probably one of the most simple, simple outlines. Can I see one of those, Susan? Gave mine away. Yeah, you, that's, lick them. Lick your fingers. Oh, shoot. This is the 28-day Identity in Christ Bible Reading Challenge. 
And it's very complicated. just want to prepare you. If you're not a theologian, I don't know if you can do this. Let me give an example. Day one, identity. I am loved. Read John 3.16, John 15.9, and John 17.23. I don't know. That's, that's asking a lot, isn't it? Three verses? Hmm. I don't know if we can do that, honey. I don't know. That's going to be a big chore. I'm going to make it simple so nobody has an excuse. Okay? It's three verses. Not all of them are three verses. Some of them are just one passage, a little bitty passage. This is what I want to see. If you will commit to this challenge, I promise you in 28 days, even if you miss a day or two and you go back, make it up. Don't let the enemy rob you because you missed a day here or you missed two days there. Go back and do the other two days and the third day. Don't let the enemy get a hold on or, or put you down and put condemnation on you because you didn't, haven't done it. I'm not into legalism, okay? I believe this, though. If you will begin, especially as heads of the house, of the family, if you will begin to gather your family. Listen, if all you have is Pop-Tarts for supper, sit around the table and have your Pop-Tarts together. The TV, the TV in America has become the table. People go, let's go eat, and everybody gets their food, and they go, and they get in front of the television. They do not interact at all. Let's stop that. Let's do it. Try it for a month. Get together. If it's breakfast or lunch or dinner before you go to bed, get your family together and get your Bible out. Now, if it's a dad or mom, whoever's the head of the household, get your Bible out. Read this verse. Talk about it and declare over your children, you're loved. You're loved. I love you, but God loves you even more. Let me show you what he says in his word. For God so loved the world that he gave his own. And start declaring that over your family. And if you will do this all through the month, at the end of this month, I believe you'll see such a change in your kids, your spouse. You'll grow closer together. You'll grow closer to the Lord. You're going to see a dynamic change, and this church will change. This church will change. I'm going to tell you what, healthy things grow. And I believe this is going to be the kickstart. I think this is one of the most important things I've ever done. And it's so simple. It's one of the most important things I've ever presented to the church. I've never challenged the church in 14 years of doing anything like this. I'm sure that's my bad, but it's starting today. So would you stand? I want to pray over you first. And then this is what I'd like you to do. First of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come find me. All right? Nobody else. Just come find me. If you need Christ, I will direct you to somebody that will take you to the prayer room and pray with you. We won't do it out here. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's a simple. He made it so simple. Just come. He said, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And we'll talk, walk, walk with you through that and pray with you. Give you some material to help you. Here's the, the challenge of this, though. If you're single or if you've got, you're here and you've got five kids, it doesn't matter. If you're a single mom or a single dad, it doesn't matter. If you've got a family a family unit, if it's just you, I want you to say, you know, today is a new day. It's the 1st of February, and I'm going to start today. I'm going to read that scripture, and I'm going to pronounce those blessings over myself. And look, you might want to even read some verses before them and after them. You might want to even talk about it. It would be cool, wouldn't it, if you started a dialogue with your family? What does it mean, huh, Mom? What does that mean? Y'all begin to talk about the scriptures. You don't have to be a theologian to do this. And I want to try to put some helps on the Internet and Facebook. Try to day by day, try to give you some helps if you'll go there and look at that. But I want to ask you this morning, if you'd bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to bless you today to have the courage 
And, and the fortitude is just the determination to do this. And I believe you're going to see a drastic change for the good in your family. Father, today, this is Family Sunday. People are excited about the football game and all that. But, Lord, I'm excited about you and what you're doing in this place. So, Father, when I say amen, I pray that families will come together. And they'll take one sheet of paper. I pray that if it's a dad in the family, he'll take it and he won't give it to his wife to see if she can hide it and protect it. But the husband, if there's for dads are here... They will take the initiative, and this may be the first time they've ever stepped up to be the spiritual authority in their family, but they're just going to obey, obey, obey. Do it in love and submit, come under your authority today. Bless them to take hold of your word and know who they are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd just like families to come together, come to one of these people up in the front and get one of these, one of these lists. Come as a family. If you're just here by yourself, come by yourself and do it. I want all the ministry team, just bless them as they take it. Just bless them. Bless them as they take that that sheet of paper. I want to hear testimonies. I want to hear reports back. What God's doing in your family. Yeah, some of you guys can go to the back. I want to remind you, if you want to sign up for a life group, go next door to the fellowship hall. Sign up for the life groups. And if you need uh, to sign up for the Connect with Jesus class, also, where's that format? It's also going to be in the fellowship hall. Life groups start tomorrow and Wednesday night. Y'all be blessed. Come back this afternoon and have fun as we watch the Super Bowl together. Bring a friend. How many people out here have uh, cell phones with cameras? Everybody got a cell phone with a camera? Okay. You probably also have some other features on that cell phone. Maybe you know how to use them. Maybe you don't. You remember the old movies from the 60s when the spies would break into an office and they'd pull out their super little uh, microfilm camera and they'd take a picture of something? Pastor is just giving you something to take a picture of. Take a picture of it. Put it in your phone. And then go to that other function in your phone and put in a daily reminder for the next 28 days. No matter where you are when that thing goes off, pull out your, your little camera, look at that picture, find the day, and do it. High tech, buddy. I love that. That's awesome. Wish we'd have known that for the first service.